good. I <laughs> had the schedule a little confused, but it is okay. Listen, it's working out. It's all working out. And guess what? This is how we do. You are live already. Guys, welcome back to the Jameer Smith Show. We have a special guest in the building. I'm so happy that we were able to connect. Marzetta, what's going on? Hey. <laughs> First and foremost, well. y'all, before we begin, I met this beautiful spirit and soul at Essence Festival as I was walking out. We were done for the day and it was kind of like an alignment of energy. So first and foremost, Marzetta, how are you? We are in August. How has this year been for you so far? Ciao. It has been a year. It has been <laughs> awesome. I got married to my beautiful Woo! wife, Jessica. Yes. Um, graduated with my master's, you know, moved to a whole new state. So it was all these really big, big changes. But even in the midst of that, there were these moments where it was like, damn, I need to find my peace. So that's the inspiration for a lot of my work. Why I reached out to you in the first place in New Orleans is I just wanted to reach black queer folks who have big dreams, big visions, and who just want to be holistically well and find their peace in the midst of all their amazingness. Listen, and I think the reason why we connected and why I even made this show is because of every single thing that you just said, because I have to say, the Jameer Smith Show, and I talk about this on every episode, it is a platform for creatives to tell their story. And what I loved about you is that you were just selling your spirit and your soul and your artistic expression. And I have to say, man, salute to you with everything that you have going on <laughs> right now before we even get into your biz naive. But honestly, the biggest thing is congratulations on this new chapter of your life. And I think for me, it's a rebirth to really see you continue to blossom into this amazing chapter of love, of security, of peace. And I'm I'm proud to witness it. I really am. I'm excited for you. Thank you. That just made my heart smile. <laughs> so listen, Marzetta, she is a musician. She's a photographer. She's a writer. She's from Huntsville, Alabama. Congratulations, she holds an MA in English from Alabama and from A&M University and also the University of Alabama. Um, you've researched with writing interests, predominantly including womenist queer theory. Shout out to you being a Southern poet at heart. But of course, your inspirations of Wilcox County in Alabama. Shout out to to, to the Alabamas, the, the Bamas in the building that listen to us. Um, I have to say, honestly, you know, to see you build this platform, and I want to really talk about the book first. Okay, okay. A huge shout out to the number one new release for contemporary poetry. Yes. Let's uh, let's get let's get into the book first. Talk about okay. this. I'm gonna let you introduce the book. I'm gonna let you introduce this moment where you were all of the above. Talk about the book. Well, um, it is called The Garden by Marzetta. And if you don't know how to spell Marzetta, it is M-A-R-Z-E-T-T-A. 
Um, it is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. You can find it on my website, marzettashouse.net. And yes, that is our own Black queer publishing agency and our production company. Um, but the book, what is the Oof. book? The book is just a place for the spiritual girls. It is for those who want to find healing, who want community, who are grounded. It is Southern. It is just my coming out, my coming of age, coming to womanhood. All of these intersectional moments that I felt the need to capture because I know that I'm not alone in my journey. Mm. Um and so just seeing the impact that the book has had so far, like it's only been out a few months. Yeah. But just seeing the impact and how it even reaches white audiences, it's just like, whoa, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, okay, so this is universal. So mm-hmm. it's bigger than me for sure. So that's all I know that is purpose in the book. Um, when it does touch lives that you didn't expect to touch, and you know you have an audience it's like yes i'm doing this for black queer folks but then when other people are white and queer or white and straight but are still from the south are still from the church have been hurt by the church have been hurt by family members who have had to cut ties and had to struggle to be themselves there's a poem in there called pruning so there um are these moments in the book that goes from a journey of sort of being trapped in a sense there's a poem called busy bee buzz and it describes being trapped in the corporate work environment and i use that as symbolism for a lot of different things and the end of the poem says air i need air Mm. and then the rest of the book transitions into the garden itself where you start to feel this relief this peace this solace going through some pain some grief to get to that healing moment to get to that growth you know, to see the one. And so it's, it's very spiritual. It's very much intentional in the way that it's laid out because life is a journey. We all just need air sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so that's what the garden is. So a place to breathe. Even when I looked at the artistry from just the cover alone, this beautiful black woman with her head wrapped in this, this gorgeous pink wrap and, the colors behind it kind of illuminating off of her skin. I have to say congratulations because, you know, you even mentioned, you know, Tamar Braxton told me to tag her in a post to pitch this. And, you know, I was hoping that this book will continue to resonate with women like the Tamar Braxton's of the world, like the women that believe in feminism and, and and beauty and love and security when did you realize you wanted to be a writer oh i didn't let me see i've been writing since i was like in a third grade when i used to rewrite song lyrics mm. and i used to make up my own stuff just doing stuff. <laughs> i was the only child i grew up an only child and so i would just be in my room writing lyrics but i didn't know that i wanted to be a writer writer like to I didn't know the power of words until I was about 16 and my first poem was on blackness and it was called righteous man. And I realized, okay, my voice, I'm able to express how I feel about the injustices of the world and be 
weird and do it differently and do it in a way that doesn't have to highlight necessarily black trauma and black pain, but just says, this is our reality, but let's celebrate our culture too. Like, so from then on, that was it. I started writing plays, poems, all types of stuff. And then I got to college. I was actually a business major. That's the crazy (laughs) part. (laughs) But I was a business major for one semester. And here's why. I took a course. um, It was world literature, but it was honors. And so my professor, she was a white lady at HBCU, Alabama A&M University. She introduced us to Toni Morrison. And I had never heard of Toni Morrison before. But because of that, it changed my life. When I read Sula, I said, oh, I have to be an English major. I have to continue to study literature and learn how to write this way. I want to learn how to make my words magic mm-hmm. and create whole universes and whole cultures, like just c- capture them. And it's just something so beautiful about writing so i would say that's my journey no don't apologize and i think that's why we have this show it's about realness so let the baby talk let let the wife show up because that's what we will need you to do is show up when you when you think about your schedule in in how you're writing what does your schedule look like whenever you want to create you know novels books poetry what what with everything that you got going on, how do you create even a, a really a work-life balance schedule? I'm still figuring that out. <laughs> <laughs> Just being very transparent. Um, even today, my wife was like, baby, you got to put it in that calendar. So I'm learning how to effectively use a calendar because I always consider myself a writer who just wrote when I was inspired. But now I'm like, writers write. So I need to write as a day job like this is my job this is my whole career i got a master's in literature you know so it's time for me to actually do the work and i think a lot of well i don't know i i can't speak for a lot of other writers i was going to speak for them but i'm letting them speak for themselves (laughs) for me my journey as a writer i thought it was something i could just do for fun but when god shows you that it's actually purpose and that is something that you need to put in that work. It is a pruning season for me in terms of finding that balance of cutting out what doesn't need to be there. And I, and it's really hard, actually, but I've made the conscious decision to not go back into corporate America, um, even though my degree would situate me to earn a lot more. But I know that that's going to pay off. Yeah. I feel it. Like, you know, when you have that feeling Mm. when creatives, I know you're a creative. Listen. So Uh, you already know. You know, I'm trying to be real PC on my show because, I mean, what's real about what you just said, honestly, is, and and I'm going to take my interview hat off for a second, is that. As creatives, we want to make sure that we're investing in ourselves the same way that these big companies invest in themselves and and their people and their visions. And I think it's so paramount of what you just said is that you could go back into corporate America and make a whole bunch of money and do all of these things and and be able to live, you know, fabulous, darling. Mm -hmm. But then what happens whenever (laughs) you're not able to fulfill your passions 
your creative vision is then blurred and you don't have the time to do it because your focus is on someone else's dream. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate you for saying that. Thank you. Yeah, I can definitely say that when I was working two jobs in school at the same time, I was so stressed, depressed. <laughs> I had no time <laughs> to write. The only thing I felt like writing was, and I'm and I, I'm writing a book about this right now, but the only thing I felt like writing at the time was like prayers of desperation, mm. prayers of just trying to see the other side, like dreaming. Like I'm dreaming of living, not just breathing. Mm. And so I'm working on a a prequel to the garden and this is called seeds. And it's everything it took to get me to the garden, to see the growth, to see that prosperous, you know, our prosperity, excuse me. But um, it's like when you know that you're here to create, you can't do anything but that. And so now that I've stopped school, I've graduated, stopped going clocking into this cubicle that I hated um (laughs) I am so fulfilled I wake up every morning and I just I'm like what am I going to create today and I'm constantly writing I'm constantly doing something coming up with skits coming up with television prompts coming up with different poems and ideas and all these things I'm like once you release what's not meant to be yours and you can walk in the fullness of your path and your journey, your creativity. Marzetta, you found your air. <laughs> you found your air. What's one of the most surprising things that you've learned really in creating your books? That the most frustrating part is not writing the book itself, but it's actually getting it published. Mm. So my journey was a little bit different, but not so different from a lot of those who self-publish. So for me, I started my publishing house simply because when I was getting my master's and I was writing my thesis on the Black queer literary imagination, um, I didn't see a lot of non-traumatic literature. I didn't see literary spaces that represented what Black queerness could be holistically. So because of that, I was like, well, I'm going to start my own publishing house with my own literary magazines, publish whatever I want that's affirming, that's for Black women, for Black queer folks. So my journey, what was most surprising was just that the formatting of the book when it came to the actual publishing websites to get the book produced, that was so tedious. And it seems like it's something that like, you would expect but I didn't. I thought writing the book was going to be the hardest part. Okay, so I've, <laughs> I've written the book. I've edited line by line. I've worked so hard on this, all of this, and I'm just going to upload it and be done. No, nope. it doesn't work like that. So, <laughs> you know, just be aware if you're going to get into it. Sometimes it just takes a few days to get it. Sometimes you just got to put it down and, just, you know, come back later. Well, and I want to say thank you for saying that because we have so many people that are educators, a lot of people that... You know, we promote a lot of people's novels and moments that they go through in their life. A huge shout out to your wife for drawing the cover. Also, I have to say phenomenal, hands down. I keep looking at the cover again like your girl did her thing. Huge shout out to that. Thank you. So yes, my wife. Oh, <laughs> I love that girl so much. Like, that's my soulmate. I always have to say that. <laughs> what do you think makes a good story? Oh, a good story. Trauma. I love drama. Mm. So 
not not that that's a requirement for a good story, but a good story is something that just leaves you wanting more. And as cliche as that sounds, it's cliche for a reason because people want more. So that's it to a good story is have your readers like saying, so what does this mean? (laughs) Or have it, you know, be like, oh, well, I could see it from this angle or you could look at it from this angle. So a good story is something that sparks debate, something that um, is intriguing and generates questions, something that's universal and also personable. That's something that is sometimes kind of hard to capture, but you want to be able to capture individual stories while also connecting with a oneness that is humanity. And there's this book called The Human Condition. I forgot the author's name, but I had to read it years ago. Mm-hmm. And that book has stayed in my mind because every time I write a story or I write a poem, I'm thinking, how does this relate on like to our humanity like so how would my readers feel about this do they feel the heartache do they feel the joy the love do they hear the music that i'm listening to when i'm writing this poem or when i say a character is driving down the street like the battle of the base can they hear it and so that's what makes a good story (laughs) yeah You know what? You mentioned earlier about starting your own publishing house. And, you know, I remember you and I talking about that briefly. And I'm glad that you highlighted it as being a safe space, a space, a safe literary space for Southern black women and queer folks. Let's talk about Marzetta's House LLC. Okay. When you created this house, when you created this moment, What was your expectation? My expectation at the time, I got to be bad. And this is a bad business model. (laughs) I didn't have any expectation but to just make an impact. That was literally it. I didn't have a solid business plan. Like I had to go to coaching. I had to take a course. Um, Thankfully, my sister-in-law is in business. My mom is in business. And um, so I had people who were able to help me out and help me flesh out the ideas. But at the time, it was just like, oh, I just want to reach people. I just want to change lives. I want to put out my own book. You know, I want to be self-sufficient. I want to help other Black queer folks be self-sufficient as well. And so that was, you know, the expectation, I guess, or that was it. I I hope that answered the question. But it it wasn't your typical business answer. When you think about everything from the books that you are going to write, but the book that you have written, which, of course, was, you know, the number one new release on Amazon Kindle. But in addition to how you are just creating these footprints for yourself and for your future generation, um, what has kind of been your most significant failure and what have you learned from that? Oh, okay. So my most significant failure has been time management. Mm. That has been it. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) 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 But it's time management. And I tell anybody this, I was literally born late. So, you know, we were about five minutes away from a C-section and I decided to come out into the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I have always moved at my own pace and I'm trying to 
learn to still do that but move at the pace of the world as well and just speed up a little bit so <laughs> it's just the time management and um all of that but i also want i want to come back to your other question because i thought of another thing that i wanted to say um while i didn't have any expectation like business i didn't i didn't see how big i could get i could just see how many lives i could reach but now that i have actually sat down i got the business model we're working on the website so if you're on the website now it's under construction uh, i gotta get to my computer but it's under construction <laughs> <laughs> but we're working on it and we're dropping these new lines we're coming out with these products coming out with these videos these concepts series all these things so the vision for marzetta's house is to be a network a network with creative content all across uh all aspects of multimedia intersectionality and it's going to be comfortable it's going to be leisurely affirming pleasurable content not just literature but we're going to expand into docu-series expand into um merchandise because i want to have readers be comfortable when they're reading just to feel affirmed so we're gonna have a lot of stuff coming up very very soon so be on the lookout i got it together now i, I had to get it together once i said if i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do it right and i'm gonna do it big and so we're dreaming big with my zeta's house my team is amazing um and and we just really want to make it a movement and so um you know, we're looking for supporters. We're looking for people who want to be in open mics, who want to be um, highlighted on our website, highlighted as an upcoming artist, poet, playwright, whatever you do, hit us up. We are looking for you. Um, I want to get into a question and then I'm going to show you how we do a little transition on our show. Um, okay. This question actually comes from an amazing listener that I love. Her name is Tony. And she says, what has been your biggest aha moment? Oh, aha. Hmm. My biggest aha was when I actually didn't put my book on um, Barnes & Noble when I first said I was going to do it. I got anxious about it. And for some reason, even though it had success on Amazon, I was like, well, it might not have the same success in print. But everyone was like, where's the print copy? Where's the print copy? Can you sign it? Can you sign it? Okay. So I go, I put it on Barnes & Noble. That's done. But before I'm able to order a hard copy, I have a reading. And so I'm doing this reading at this coffee shop in Alabama. Um, when I went back to travel there, I did a reading. And um, I was sitting there, and, it, and this crowd came along. And I just sat on the floor and sat in front of me and just, like, listening. And, and the crowd just grew bigger and bigger. And none of them, well, only one of them were black. Oh, wow. Only one of them were black. And so this is a book I wrote in my mind just for black folks. I said, because if you, I said, if you're not black, you're not going to get it. But that's not true. And so that was my biggest aha. I had this big old circle of white folks <laughs> <laughs> and one black person. And that's when I realized, oh, so there when I say limitless imagination, I mean truly limitless. I can't limit myself in fear, anxiety, um, and even saying it's just for black folks. No, I'm going to write it from my lens, from my perspective, 
but I'm going to open it up. I'm going to be intentional in saying I curate this space to be a welcoming and safe environment for Black folks. But the aha moment was realizing just how much reach you can have if you just let it flow naturally. And I hope that <laughs> that answered that question <laughs> in a roundabout way. And so all of that to say, when I published the book on Barnes & Noble, I, I had to print out this like copy at the university printing store because for some reason I couldn't get the copy from Barnes & Noble like fast enough. And at the end of that reading, the lady says, I want to buy the book. I said, well, you know, I don't have any hard copies with me. She said, no, I want to buy the one that you have in your hand. Mm. And that was the one that was printed, like literally just printed minutes before I had to go. And I said, okay, well, I'll give it to you for 10 bucks. She said, no, full price. I said, what? She said, and sign it. And she had my wife sign it too. She says, you're amazing. You know, and she's like, this is, know your worth. She says, this was great. This touched me. It was so authentic and genuine. And so that aha moment for me was life-changing. And honestly, and I, I haven't told anybody this besides my mom, but it really did heal my relationship with white people. And I know it can sound kind of crazy, but when you're born and raised in Alabama, you know, as a dark-skinned black queer woman, there can be a lot of... of your perspective is... Yeah your, yeah, your perspective is different. Yeah. Yeah, it's different. And so when you when I healed that relationship there and my lens there on, you know, just what is community, it's like the world has opened up even more. On our show, as we wrap, we always like to get personal. And I think those personal questions become therapy. And I love this part of the show because I get to see a very authentic person on the other end. And when you think about yourself, Marzetta, what are a few words you would use to describe yourself? Hopeful. Um, very loving. I hate to be like, this. oh, I love heart. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but I, I do. I am a lover of love, a lover of life. Um, I'm very passionate, um, committed, um, um, and something else that I think about is trying. I'm trying, and I love that about myself. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, you're human, and the reality yeah. of life is that we have to figure out, you know, as creatives, you know, what does movement look like in our own view of life? Because everyone's perspective is not going to be your perspective. And what I love about you is that you have this creative mind of how to provide um, really a platform for other women, other queer women to say, wow, I could be just like her. Look at and listen to her story. What makes you emotional? Oh, that. <laughs> that. Um, what makes me emotional? Oh, just like knowing that all I've been through has been, um, I guess, has led to this moment, and that I am okay. That 
you know, and I, this is something that's a small little tangent, but a lot of people don't know this about me because I, I kept it to myself for so long because I was ashamed about it. It was just something that I wasn't proud of. And I was like, you know, I want to just continue living life as I, I was. But when I was a sophomore in college, I developed a brain condition called pseudotumor cerebri. And it was fluid building in the back of my brain. And because of that, I lost vision. I lost lower peripheral vision, some side peripheral vision. But there was about a week or two where I just couldn't see anything. And I had just changed my major to English, but I couldn't read or write anything. I couldn't see the lines on the paper, couldn't see what the letters were, couldn't drive, could barely see my hand in front of me. And so I get emotional when I'm like, from that moment there, literally not being able to see, being able to read, to write, do what I love. I'm here now with the whole publishing company, mm -hmm. with the whole book, a master's in English, and I'm able to continue to let God use me through the, the written word. And so the fact that I have my vision, and I, I tell people this, I had to lose my sight to find my vision. Mm, memoirs coming out. <laughs> <laughs> memoirs coming out, blind faith. I don't know when. But it's coming out. But it's that's what makes me so emotional is that when you're here for a reason, you're here for a reason. And nothing is going to stop you. Mm -hmm. Nothing's going to stop you from doing that. And so that's, for me, what touches my heart is saying that years later, I beat this condition. And I'm here. My work is here. It's impactful. And I just pray that other people hear my story and are inspired, you know. So I want to get personal for two seconds before we wrap our interview. Congratulations for your new wedding and your new <laughs> relationship and your new moment and your new beauty that has been imprinted in your heart. My question is, what did you learn from your last relationship? Oh, <laughs> OK, get right into it. Um, <laughs> I learned you got to love yourself. That was it. You just got to love yourself. Um, I learned boundaries. I learned um, <laughs> I learned to keep it to myself. You know what I'm saying? You know, keep the last clothes. Got to be out there for the reason. But seriously, <laughs> though, I, I had to be like, I just needed time and I, I made a promise to God and myself, like I wasn't going to be with anyone else, like seriously, like until I felt that connection, until I was like, this is that person that I'm meant to be with forever. Like mm -hmm. I was so serious and it only took like six months for me to find my wife. And, um, but what I learned from my last relationship, yeah. Boundaries, love yourself. Go to bed. Do not stay up waiting on that phone call. Go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as we wrap our show, and I have to say thank you so much for 
you just taking this time, your time management and, and making it do what it do, because regardless if these are the things that you're working on as people, you know, we were still able to align ourselves. And that's all for me that filled my heart and for you to be on the show. As we wrap our sh as our, as we really wrap our show, the last question is, what are you most grateful for? Uh, my family. And that's it. My family. Um, I'm grateful for my biological family and then my in-laws. I have never experienced such a wholeness and a love in the way that I do now since I met my wife. Um, and since we have blended our families together, it is such a beautiful, beautiful thing to just say like, wow, I'm actually happy right now. Like this, like, you know, all the grief, the pain, whatever that happened in the past, you know, that's all water under the bridge. Cause I'm living in the moment and my moment right now, I'm looking at my wife and my sister-in-law doing whatever they're doing, <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. So I have to say my family. Marzetta, I want to thank you for your love, your passion, your words of, of positivity and of the future. And I want to thank you for everything that you are putting up for the rest of the world to see as you as an artist. Please make sure you follow this amazing woman, the soul, the spirit on Instagram at Marzetta's house. And that is M-A-R-Z-E-T-T-A-S. H-O-U-S-E. And is there any last words you want to give any of your new listeners, your your listeners? I mean, any last words? Um, please, please follow. Um, we have a lot of stuff coming up. I am very excited for the near future. If you can hear my nephew in the background, it's his birthday tomorrow. So happy Woo! birthday to Elijah. Happy birthday, happy Elijah. Elijah going to kindergarten i almost cried today first <laughs> day of school but hey but listeners i love y'all i appreciate every second that you take to listen you know time is valuable and so to take the time to listen to read to engage it, it's not taken lightly from me so follow marzetta's house on instagram I have a TikTok coming, um, YouTube, Facebook groups, all these things to interact as a community. So we're in the moment of building Marzetta's house and you can be a part of building the foundation. And that I want to last for generations. I want, when I'm, I, I'm so serious. I get, I stutter when I'm passionate, but I'm so serious about Marzetta's house being a movement for love and joy wholeness, healing, comfort, affirmation, all of these things that for generations, us as black folks have been deprived of and have literally has stolen from us. But no, it's time out for that. No more black pain, no more black trauma. We're living life more abundantly. So that's all I can say. Marzetta, we appreciate you. Guys, as we always say at the end of the show, stay positive, but... Stay creative. Until next time, thank you for tuning in.
<laughs> you know we weren't going to go out without playing your music, girl. We got you. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in. <laughs>